Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 14 of the Early Parenting Podcast. Today's a super exciting one because I got to talk to the amazing Amy Cox from Playful Little Learners. Amy is an educator and a mother of four and is super passionate about bringing play into our child's life and into our everyday life, but in a way that is ditching the guilt and ditching the way that play should, I say in inverted commas, look like. The amount I play or don't play with the boys really makes me feel guilty. It's one of those points in my life that I never feel like I'm doing enough. After interviewing Amy, I have left with such a self-confidence and peace at actually what I am doing. And it just, listen on to the episode because it's going to redefine what play actually has to look like. And I just think that is amazing for everyone. So I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mum. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons, because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo-cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behavior, and so much more. Are you ready to find your flowing motherhood? Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by my brand new Early Rising ebook. Now, this ebook is every parent's dream if you have fallen victim to the early rise. You know the one where it is 5.30, the monitor goes off, and you have been waking up at this time for such a long time that you don't even know when or how it started. Well, this ebook is absolutely chock-a-block full of practical tips and strategies on how to identify the cause of early rising, and of course, how to troubleshoot it. And I'm talking nitty-gritty, deep-dive, step-by-step strategies. So you'll always be able to refer back to this baby whenever the early rising hits your household again. So make sure to check out my ebook at www.jenniferbutler.com.au forward slash shop. On to the episode. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast. I'm very excited to be chatting to you today. Oh, hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. No, we, we feel, I feel very lucky to have you on the show. Um, we, I would love to kick things off by you telling me a little bit about yourself and a bit of background. Oh, my gosh. How long is a piece of string? I would, if I start tangenting, just bring me back in, Jen. Um, so I guess a bit about my background is, um, in a nutshell, I'm actually an award-winning teacher and I was one of those teachers that like lived and breathed education. It was just, it was vocational for me. It really was. Um, and about 10 years ago, my husband and I, we moved to China to live and teach, um, over there for a year. Um, yeah, he's, he is not a teacher anymore, but we met at university. So that was amazing. Um, and, you know, I'd had all this experience in the classroom and I was presenting at conferences and meetings and mentoring other teachers and all the things. And then I had this incredible experience in China 
where I was presented with um, this beautiful class of 10 children from all over the world that couldn't speak English at all. And so I had this incredible tool belt of knowledge and, you know, all of these strategies and everything. And then I had this beautiful little people that could not understand a word that (laughs) I said. Um, And this year for me really cemented how important play was because despite the fact that they had no, uh, you know, no, there was no universal language. Um, per se because they come from all different countries there actually was a universal language that each and every one of those beautiful children um, that they knew and that was the language of play and through play these kids learned about their you know um, they learned to speak English they learned to speak to each other and it was just oh my gosh that year for me was so pivotal um, in my journey yeah and so we came back and I'm really ambitious and blah blah you know all the things I'm going to take over and do all you know revolutionize education and all the things (laughs) and then um I fell pregnant with my first child we had four kids in five years um yeah look we were people you know we had a tv and all the rest of it they were all planned but um my uh, husband got a job uh about in 2016 and so we moved away um you know moved away from our family and friends up to the Pilbara uh, in Western Australia where we are now. Um, And I started blogging and sharing all these little ideas that I um, was doing with my kids at home. Um, And that's sort of where I guess um, my business sort of started because, yeah, I started sharing all these ideas and made these amazing community, met these amazing people within the community and then realised that I wanted to do more um, and that uh, putting things out, and I'm sure we're going to dive into this uh, a little bit more about this whole picture perfect image but I realized that whilst this was like this was a creative outlet for me I was sharing snippets of my day but it wasn't our whole day and sort of like this idea of creating a community where I could nurture mums and their relationship to their children and help support them in those really those transitional years um so that sort of evolved over time and a year ago I launched a membership called the Play Squad membership where we help, yeah, I help parents inject joy, playfulness and connection into their lives with little people, um, yeah, by inspiring and empowering and sharing the amazing collective knowledge of people that I've met along my parenting journey that have influenced me. So that I reckon is the shortest nutshell <laughs> of my journey but, yeah, that's brought to me to, to where I am now. Oh, I love that. I love that all. And, you know, how you were, um, spoke before about that universal language of play. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show that it doesn't matter, like, what cultural background you're from. You know, all kids need that same the same thing, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how they learn in these mm-hmm. early years. And it, it is. And, and that actually probably is a great segue into my question. Like, in your words, Amy, why is play so important for oh. children? Again, how long is a piece of string? Mm, Play is the way that children learn about their worlds. It's actually Mm. um, it's a universal right of all kids to play. It's how they're wired. They're biologically wired to play, and I think um, and I know that we will touch on this, but in our world that we're in at the moment, where all these picture perfect images, we've got this Mm. social construct 
of what play is and that it's this perfect thing that kids engage like it's not play is messy and experimental and like it can be tantrumy and it cannot always have an outcome that we parents perceive um, as something that's valuable for our kids but it is an incredible experience and it's the way that they learn about the world around them it's the way they develop their skills like their fine motor gross motor social skills um it's just I could I just think it is just so so important especially in our um, early years yeah yeah, and, it, and like you, you see, uh, like I know I watch, I have um, my two boys, Max and Ted, and like I actually sometimes just sit back and watch them playing and see how they're, like the other day I was watching his, um, Ted's my two and a half year old, and I'm I'm watching him play out some, you know, conversations that he had heard that my husband and I talking about doing it with his trucks and just like processing his little world. And it's just remarkable when you take that step back and watch that happen. Uh, yeah, I think that so often we think we need to control it or direct it or do mm. these things when really that's the way of processing, um, like you said, like about the, what, what's happening in their world around them. Um, and I hope, can I, can I jump in with another little story to piggyback on that one? Totally. Um, Love story. My, so I've got four kids, mine are now age, so eight and a half, seven, five and a half and three and a half. And when my uh, seven-year-old was two, we were on a camping trip with a huge group of um, huge family and we went forward driving on the beach and so we're driving in our forward drive in this convoy and all of the family went up this big sand dune um, and we were the last ones to go over. So there was four cars that went over before us and then because the sand had been loosened, we went to get up and we got bogged and then we had to reverse and then try again and it was really frustrating but we're, you know, we're saying, oh, it's frustrating that we can't get up and talking the kids through it. But anyway, back at the campsite after this had happened and after the kids had processed their big yucky feelings because they were disappointed that we couldn't go up the sand dune like all the cousins, my two-year-old was playing um, at a hill just near where our campsite was set up and he literally replayed the scenario like you just said about your husband oh. and yourself and he's like, let's try to get up the hill. Beep, beep. Oh, we can't do it. Reverse, reverse. And he literally relayed exactly what had happened. And I think this is a really key point too, Jen, in this story is that the way that my husband and I dealt with the situation by talking him through it, by explaining him, by giving him those words, they were also reflected in his play. So it wasn't that we were shaping the play experience, but his experience of the actual thing that happened in his world was shaped by us as sort of almost like a window to the way of viewing the world and dealing with frustration and all that sort of stuff. So I love that you say that because, oh, it's just so beautiful when you actually sit back and watch the way that incredible little minds work. I know. And like one thing, so I help lots of families with, you know, sleep and, and feeding and all those sorts of things in the early parenting world. And especially for a toddler, one of the things that I talk um, about to families with is about using role play when you're trying to, you know, allow your child to work through something that's going to change. So even if it's practicing settling a baby and showing them how it's going to go, like it allows them, you know, that's obviously a bit more of a dictated play, Mm. but the purpose is, is that it does allow them to understand and to view things and yeah, process it that way like by by seeing that uh, played out in just a everyday playing scenario and it works a treat with toddlers and sleep if you get that role play right so it absolutely. is absolutely it's, it's amazing 
So tell me a bit more about this picture-perfect image of what play is looking like because I will, you know, as a mum too who, you know, scrolls through the gram and, you know, looking at all the beautiful sensory play things that are set up and, like, to be honest, sometimes I flick through it and I go, oh, like, I, I didn't do any of that today. Like, you know, I, like, I have I done enough? Mm, Am I doing enough? Yes. Today? Oh, my gosh. This is, like... Oh, this is such an important topic and I'm so grateful that you've given me the opportunity to talk about this because this is what I could talk about all day long. So when I started sharing, and I'm just going to detour a little bit with this story, um, when I started sharing all my bits and pieces over on Instagram, I got, and we just, and I literally started just by being like, oh my gosh, here's what we're doing, you know, snap, 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 off we go. Um, and at that time also, I started uh, an account called Early Learning 101 where we started sharing some ideas just because I'm so passionate about play. And again, not necessarily directed play or structured play, but just play in general. I just love it and I wanted to start sharing it. But what started happening, um, you know, and this account grew exponentially in a very short period of time. I think we've got like 90,000 or something um, tags, like like pictures that have been shared to our hashtag now. But I actually, yeah. I actually got so stuck um, in mid-2017 and I, I actually couldn't share anything else because seeing mm. things in this carefully structured two-second, mm. you know, picture-perfect snap, it actually made me feel really sick because there was this expectation that's being projected about what play should or should not look like and their expectation of, oh, what even is sensory play? Do I need to do sensory play? Like what does it supposed to look like? And, and these images form the fabric of what parents expect to like that they should be doing when in reality, like, like we've just spoken about these two beautiful examples of that incidental things that, um, that, you know, they can explore and learn about their world through those things. Like it isn't about that picture-perfect image. It's like play isn't something that you do. It's more so a way of like being. And I think that so what's happening in our social media channels, it's just like, okay, today we're learning colours and here's a colour matching thing or today we're doing, you know, we're doing inverted commas sensory play and this is, you know, all the bit. But really, like, sensory play is going to the park and swinging on the swing and having that beautiful vestibular input from and that proprioceptive input, in, you know, when you're physically moving your body. It's going to the beach and mixing water with sand and seeing what happens to um, the composition of sand when you do that. So I think that the danger in social media is that, and especially when it's not, um, that there's not this flip side of the coin that uh, says, you know, things that it doesn't. It doesn't take up, you know, 98% of your day. But when you only are seeing a fraction of a second, that that can actually ingrain in your mind of this whole should idea um, of what parents should and should not do. Um, and that's something that we talk all about in our and the challenges I run in my Play Squad membership because it's not about doing, it's more so about being and allow, allowing your mm. children the time, space and capacity to just be <laughs> and play (laughs) I love that like I really do because as I'm talking to you I'm just like reminiscing on these moments that even in the last week I've had with my own boys like I was thinking when the boys and I were just picking out weeds together and then and then Ted was fascinated with the root system of the of the weed when we were pulling it out and you know like just and it coming out of the earth and just those little moments that mm-hmm. like that instantly has made me go wow like I actually was probably killing two birds with one stone, really. <laughs> I 
before I <laughs> sort your garden out. Yeah. Um, putting the kids to work. Uh-huh. But they, he, he loved it. He loved that, you know, bringing that out and, and that discovery. Um, and that for me personally does take so much of that pressure of like, be so happy and grateful in those moments that you are doing because they mean everything. It doesn't have to be this. And now we're going to move to center number three. Mm. Where are we going to do painting? Mm. Um, you know, like, so that's, the, I think that's what, you know, like there is so much guilt and pressure around the balance between getting all the housework done, looking after the kids, having something to eat, finding time to play. Mm. Like, and by the sounds of it, we, we're able to fit these things in in, in moments, aren't we? Like, Absolutely. can you tell me a bit more about that? I just think that um, the, uh, the moment that I realised uh, that I had eight extra hands to help with housework was like uh, it was one of those clouds opening like, oh, the, the moment. like yeah. Because it's heaven. It, it's heaven and you find that, na- like going back to what we were saying earlier about just watching and noticing your children, like they want to be where you are. If you yes. are sweeping the floor or washing the dishes or whatever, your children want to be where you are. And in that moment, we've got an opportunity to like you did with the weeds to help. Like that is a connection point, those beautiful day-to-day moments. That is a point where we can use it to, as, like, and also a learning tool. Let's be honest, because you can learn about the, you know, the um, the, the structure of a plant or whatever. But it's actually that moment, an opportunity to connect with your kids in those micro moments. Like my, um, we do this thing every day at our dinner table. Uh, we look at our best thing, worst thing, funniest thing, um, and we go around the table. Uh, and each of my kids says what their favorite thing was. And I shared this the other day actually on Instagram. Um, with the preface of like before you set up anything else for your children, like check this out. Because um, I got to my three-year-old and I was like, darling, like what was your favourite part of the day? And she's like, oh, my favourite part of the day was when I like rode the, uh, when I did the sweeping with mummy. And like my husband like spat out his dinner on the table like laughing because I'm like the, we're, like we were talking about off edge and like, I'm the most rubbish housekeeper in the history of the world. <laughs> but we made it fun. And so like we were sweeping and like, you know, and I say she was helping, but I've got my little air quotes happening, helping because yeah. obviously, you know, um, but mm-hmm. we had the brooms. We were, you know, I, I was sweeping. She was just, you know, pushing things from one place to another. But then we just jumped on the brooms and just started riding them around like a, like a horse because mm. she loves horses. Yes. And I think it's when we find those moments and flip those moments that potentially can be draining and, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to do this job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. When we look at it like how can I make this fun? How can I make this as a, an experience that we can both enjoy together? Like that's play as well and that's the beautiful thing that arises from that is that connect, those beautiful connection points with your kids. And like I said, that that was her favourite part of the whole day doing this movie. Oh, that's gorgeous. I also love um, that conversation that you have is talking about like the best part of your day and like such a nice way to finish off a day, isn't it, is having those conversations with your kids and asking them those things. I I love that, even just that, you know, ability for them to start to reflect and and be grateful for the things that they enjoyed. Like, you know, it's beautiful. It's, I think it's a beautiful ritual to start. Isn't it? And I, I also love it because it's not always about the good times, you know. Like well, mm, we spoke about yes. it before, like we are the window to our children's world. I'm like, what was your worst thing? Like that's part of life and how did you handle that? And like and seeing Dad and I, like Brad, my hubby and I like talk about, oh, well, 
I had a really fr- like the most frustrating part of my day was X because of this, and then seeing how we came out of that as well. And it's just, it's just giving them that the the insight and the tools to say, you know, what if I get these big feelings and things don't always happen the way I like them, you know, that's emotional resilience. That's resilience building as well. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's really, and it allows them that you know, if you're giving them that space, that it's okay to talk about the bad things and have someone listen. Like that is a pretty special conversation to be starting to have with your kids and allowing for them to, yeah, feel life doesn't always have to be happy, but having that space to talk about when things aren't going so great, it's yeah. awesome. And creating those family rituals, I think, because connection is built on yes. rituals, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's funny because in my questions um, that I was going to ask you is, you know. Like actually asking the question, like, is there such thing as a quota for play? But while all already speaking to you, it sort of made me realize that I feel like no, I feel like there's not a quota, but it's about just taking moments and turn them into something that is play, Absolutely. that is fun. Yeah, fun child. Yeah. Like, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, kids see joy everywhere. Like they see they yeah. they and honestly, like I, I love 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 that you started this conversation by talking about watching your child because. If you watch your child, they will look at a flower and they will look at grass and they will look at the world that's around them in this, you know, with this awe and wonder and it's just magnificent for them. And in this culture in our society where we're busy and quick and let's go and we've got to get to the next thing, it's like those moments, those opportunities to literally sit in gratitude and joy uh, like uh, we almost take them away, like pull the carpet out from underneath our kids. And I think that. I, I just am so passionate about helping people realise that it's not like, oh, when I have this setup or when I have this toy or when my kid's sleeping through, then I'll be happy or then things will get better or then I'll be able to find joy. It's like right now in this moment, in the chaos of imperfection, in the sleeplessness, in the tantrums, in all of the thickness of the haze of little people, where's the joy? And when you watch your child and truly watch them, the joy is everywhere and it's just a matter of us breathing through it and being like, okay, like, you know, it's not a matter of anything else I need to do but it's that way of being, like I'm being with my child and, oh, my goodness, look at the clouds, look at the tufts, they look like an elephant, you know, like just those simple things, you know. <laughs> Did I answer your question it's at all, Jen? No, it does, but it's funny because it gives me like when I'm hearing it and I, you know, it's it's such that backing of mindfulness that, you know, it's such a um, thing that everyone's talking about doing is is adults and all of us to be in the moment and to and children are in the moment. Mm-hmm. They are in the moment all the time. And But it's us who aren't. And as you said, it's that rushing household syndrome. And I know I'm always guilty of doing this sort of stuff. And, you know, you, we all are. the thing is, is that going back to, too, is it doesn't always have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like you're not always going to have not every single moment in the day you're going to sit back and have this, yeah, yeah like mindfulness. But it's just about, as you said, take those moments of looking at what your child's looking at mm. and go with it. And yeah, I think that it definitely, definitely does. It, it answers the question. Like it just, to me, how much do we need to play? Well, it's not a quota, is it? Absolutely it is just not. about finding moments um, when you have that opportunity. That's it. And I think so often as parents, like we, we just so desperately want to get it right, Jen. We just so desperately want to get it right. And within that, we can overcomplicate things that don't need to be overcomplicated. Like, yeah. 
Um, it's not, you know, I, and I think that benchmarks and all that stuff, it's, it's helpful because it gives us that context of things to like, aim for. But I think that what rather than looking externally for something like a benchmark or a number or a time frame or whatever, rather than looking at it like that, like look at your beautiful little individual like child and then you'll know if you need to connect with them more, if they need more of you because that's when their behaviour starts going. And, you know, we talk about um, there's that beautiful book, Have You Filled Your Bucket Today? I talk about it all the time. But it's like if they're emotional, like if they feel like they need more attention or whatever, then the behaviour is always going to be um, out a little bit. But when we spend those con- like m- micro moments connecting and not the extravagant times, like, yeah, just those little micro moments connecting with them, it's just it just makes for such a happier household. And just not judging ourselves as well. I think that's the other thing too. We just tend to oh, no. judge our, oh, my gosh, I didn't handle that right. I'm so, you know, I'm a failure. I can't do this, I'm, you know. When really it's like, okay, well, you know, I probably could have handled that better, but I'm going to, you know, have a growth mindset about this. I'm not expected to know everything all the time. I'm learning and growing along with my child. And as a matter of fact, like your child, well, I found for me, I don't know about you, but my children have been the absolute, um, the best, my best teachers, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, um, like it, it sort of leads me into, Asking you a little bit about what your thoughts on mum guilt is, like I think every single one of us go through this guilt. Like I know I do. I'll always reflect on a day and feel like I wasn't, you know, I was distracted or I was this or I was that. But, I mean, how do you feel about mum guilt and and what we should be trying to think about ourselves as mums in these moments? Absolutely. Um, One of my beautiful mentors and friends um, said this uh, beautiful quote to me and it's, you are where your attention is. So if we're always focusing on those, like I'm not enough and I didn't do this well and I should have done that better and then we're always coming from lack. We will never be good enough because there's always going to be things that we don't do right because we are humans, you know, like nobody gets it right. Everyone stuffs it up. But I feel like if you can flip it and seeing these seeing these times of imperfect you know and I'm using you know of the when we didn't handle things to the best of our ability using those as a teaching tool for our kids like um you know thinking oh wow like I really flipped my lid then I was really mad I must need you know to have some time out or I'm I think I might be hungry or you know verbalizing it and and modeling to your kids that yeah what uh, it's okay if you don't get things right and that's yeah. all right. We love you anyway and now we're going to move on. And I, oh, don't you think, yeah. like I think so often we just put so much guilt on us that it should come naturally and I should know what to do and I should know my child. But when really it's yeah. it's like a dance. It's a game of that we're all playing where we're getting to know we're getting to know each other and just when we think we've got to stay this is my favorite thing too because I had so many kids so close together like just when you think you got to stage down and a child is sleeping or whatever like they get sick or something changes and Mm. and so I think really flipping it into rather than feeling guilty about not being enough and I'm using inverted commas it's just yeah finding those finding the joy and forgiving yourself and modeling Oh, I didn't, that wasn't a very, you know, I was a bit mad then. I, I shouldn't have said that. That made me, that probably made you feel really yucky. I'm sorry, you know, and acknowledging it. And then we love each other anyway because that's what families are about. Yes. I, I talk about that all the time, rupture and repair. Mm. I, I'm never, ever a perfect mother. I'm never a perfect human. But with the boys, if I have yelled, if I have 
you know, said something like, because, you know, I'll flip my lid and then I'll feel so guilty for it. But then I don't wallow in that guilt. I will go and rupture and repair and I have the conversation and I say, mummy's really sorry for yelling. She shouldn't have done that. But but also sometimes it's like, but also I didn't like it when you did this to me, mm-hmm. you know. Can we have a cuddle? And Max, this is my eldest, he'll say, still best friends, mum? I'm like, yeah, still best friends, buddy. Beautiful. Always best friends. And, like, even what you're saying before about, like, we don't need to know it all, we don't need to get it all right all, all, right all the time. I, I talk about this all the time with people is that for some reason when we come into parenthood, it's the only job in the world where we don't get, training that we don't don't get told how to do it and yet no one is willing to put their hand up and go hey I'm not quite sure what's going on here I need a hand and it's a funny it's a very funny world they feel a little bit I like from talking to people I've learned that some people feel ashamed reaching out and asking for help because they feel that because it's their child they should know it all but it's just not so there's so many god there's so many gaps that even I go I need to I need to ask someone about this or, you know, and I think the true strength is being able to identify when you perhaps don't know and, and getting that help and, you know, yeah. doing all those sorts of things. That's exactly. There's such power in that vulnerability, isn't it? And I think culturally we've yeah. shifted away from that, fa- you know, when we've got the extended rallies around and, you know, you, you, oh, you know you're cooking with the, gran- with the grannies and, you know, like having that, is this normal and whatever. And um, I think that. That's why these conversations, Jen, are so important to say, well, you know what? Nobody knows what they're doing. We are literally working it out as we go along. But, you know, what is universal is the fact that we love our kids and that really is, that can't be measured and that's not a right or wrong thing. It just, it is. And we all love our kids Mm. and we're all trying to do the best that we can at the time amidst sleep deprivation and tantrums and everything, you know. Exactly, amongst all of the things. That's exactly right. Now. I know that a lot of my listeners might be interested in, you know, maybe some quick ideas or some tips or, um, I, yeah, ideas and strategies around play ideas at different ages. So obviously, like most of the listeners are going to have young babies ranging up until about three, four years of age. That's sort of um, the early parenting years that I cover. But do you have any particular activities that you used to like to do with your babes when they were younger when they were just babies like I think that you know at the different age groups obviously there's different opportunities for play but have you got any tips at different ages absolutely um I think for babies you are their best plaything. like everything mm. is a plaything as a baby and even when you're toddlers um everything is a plaything. and just looking at your baby's eyes and reading and cuddling oh I just that stage for me I really mourned yeah. when that was over um, what's interesting yeah. to note though, Jen, I ran some, uh, some, some playful sessions at our local community center over three years. And so over this time I had six to 12 month old sessions and one to two month year old sessions and three to four year old sessions. So, and we tried hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different ideas with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different children, um, mm-hmm. and, which was such an amazing insight for me personally and professionally, because I got to see, um, different children's temperaments and interests and a different parent's temperaments and interests. Um, and the thing that just speaks volumes, I think for me, uh, that there is not one size fits all. There is not, and, and I, to, to be honest, I don't really use the word activity. It kind of is like nails on a chalkboard because it's like insinuating that you have to yeah. do, you have to be in that doing right. mode. But for me, it's just about being and knowing your child 
in knowing what their yes. interests is and what are what are you always saying no to? This is the best. Thing. Like for me, my eldest was he's so physical and like so he was always running and so how could I flip that? Um, like so he was always running inside. What could I do to nurture? that behavior so okay we can go to a park and we can get balls and you know do things outside like you know so it's actually looking at the things that you see in your children um and flipping it in a way that's obviously you know safe because we can't be kicking balls around inside (laughs) but you know flipping it in that way but babies I just anything that involves you they want you you are their window to the world they want your eye contact they want your presence they want um they want you calming and talking and cooing to them and it actually makes me a bit sad when I see people thinking that they've got to do this you know setting up all these Mm. things with the babies when really they they like and with all children like they connection they're motivated by connection to you so Yeah. yeah and being heard and seen by you so when they feel like you know um, what their interests are and all that, then then they're gonna feel they're gonna feel so much. It's gonna and it, parenting just gets easier. I don't know if you found that, but yeah, yeah. Mm. What you're saying too, I love. Um, I love that about um, you know, nurturing what your child's personality is because. Ted, I mean, he's he's my youngest and the two boys couldn't be more different, but Ted is so busy and, you know, he wants to get up on the bench and jump off the bench if he could, like backflipping. And so that just makes me go, well, I know he's an active type, but it's just about reframing those activities so he's not jumping off the bench yeah. and, you know, jumping his brother and all of those things. But that's him, nurture what his personality is, whereas Max, well, Max would just love to just laze around on the couch and watch TV all day if, he, if I let him. But he also loves that deep imaginative play that he plays out that he sees on the TV. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just about fostering what their interests are in a way, yeah, that, that suits their personality. And that makes so much it sense. It really does. And and there's actually, if we look at it from, a, um, you know, a behavioural point and a developmental perspective, these repeated patterns of behaviour that we see in our kids is actually the way that they are wiring their brains. So they try, like, you know, when you see a baby and they're sitting in a high chair and they drop the spoon off the <laughs> off the high chair and you pick it up yes. and then they drop it again and they pick it up and you're like, dude, just eat your food. But really that's their the brain's way of exploring gravity. If I drop this spoon, it's going to fall on the ground. It's not going to stay up. And then behaviorally, they're taking it. A mom is going to bend down and pick it up. So they look, the, these repeated patterns of behavior are actually really integral to them firing these little neural pathways in their brain. And it's so amazing when you start viewing these seemingly annoying, like you said about your son, these seemingly annoying, I'm using inverted commas, like the, the, these behaviors, but when you can twist them and foster them in a way that's safe um, and, yeah, that they actually, you'll find that your child will be engaged for longer periods of time because they're doing something that they are intrinsically yeah. motivated to do. Absolutely. God, that it resonates with me so much because you think of yourself as an adult, like the, you you happily do something that you enjoy doing for a longer period of time if that's what you enjoy exactly. doing. And like just the, children aren't that different to us, like, but sometimes we do treat them so differently. Like, let set them up with the things that you know that they enjoy. I think that is, yeah, yeah I think that's the, so brilliant. The pots and pans, also, if all is fails, the Tupperware drawer yes. for me, man, the pots and pans, like when you're in the kitchen, because they just yes. want to be where you are. So, how can you struck and I use it, you know, activity? Can you have a drawer, the bottom drawer in your house with a couple of plastic containers and or the pots and pans or something that they can pull out and in? And anyway, it's, yeah, they're fascinating, fascinating little, little beings. Absolutely. 
Now, tell me, Amy, where can all my listeners find you? Oh, well, I am actually going on a little bit of a rebrand at the moment. So we're at the moment, my um, you can find me at Playful Little Learners on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm actually, um, we're focusing more now on not just the little, our little people, but also on our, them, our beautiful mums that are putting so much pressure. So we're actually rebranding to Playful Families. Um, so, oh, yeah, that. on Instagram and on Facebook and I've also got a podcast called the Play Squad Podcast as well. So we've yes. got all this sort of stuff and more. Which is amazing. I love I was, that's where a lot of the um, conversations we've had today is some things that after listening to some of your episodes that I thought, oh, yes, this is so awesome to talk about. So, um, yes, everyone's got to jump on and and catch you there. Well, I think that this has just been an amazing chat today, Amy, and I really hope that all of my listeners are going to love it as much as I have. I have just had all these light bulb moments in my head of going, oh, my God, pressure off, uh-huh. um, and that makes me feel really oh, happy. I'm so, so good. That's like my purpose. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you've come on to the show, and, yeah, it's just been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, we I'll um, make sure to share all your details in the show notes too so people can find you. But thank you so much for coming. Oh, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there you go, guys. I hope you loved that interview as much as I loved recording it. Like I said, for me, it has just taken a little bit of guilt off what I am doing with the boys because actually just being playful and having those moments of play within the day is actually amazing. And it's not, it doesn't always have to be that structured play that we always see perfectly plastered over the gram. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. Make sure to check out Amy over at, at Playful Little Learners. She's got some exciting things coming up. And don't forget to pop on over to your Apple podcast or whatever streaming app you are listening to and leave me a review. I really want this podcast to hit as many ears as I can. So share it around, share it on the gram, just share it, just get it around guys. (laughs) Awesome. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please head on over to your podcast streaming app, whether that's Apple or Spotify, and leave me a review. I want this podcast to get to as many ears as possible so that other mums who might be having the same questions as you can find a little bit of information to help their parenting journey along. And you know what? While you're over there leaving a review, please feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of my episodes. And don't forget to hit me up on my socials, Facebook and Instagram, at Jen Butler Early Parenting. Can't wait to bring you your next episode. I'll see you back here again then.